I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it and we welcome you back to the EPL Roundtable podcast. Uh, I'm not Kevin. You'll probably work out. He is still celebrating the win over Man City 4-1. Um, so he's asked me to stand in today. I'm Sean Whetstone. I'm a happy hammer, still third in the league. And tonight we have um, a fan from Newcastle and a fan from Arsenal. Um, please introduce yourselves. Start with Newcastle. Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, I support Newcastle, obviously. Um I run EPL Index, uh, Total Dodge Football, and a couple of other sites. You can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. I write for EPLindex.com, among other sites. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Okay, and just for myself, um, I'm at West Ham Football on Twitter. I write for two West Ham blogs, ClarenceHugh.info, WestHamTillIDie.com. And I'm a presenter on a podcast called More Than Just a Podcast, which is two O's, as in the famous Bobby Moore. So let's start off tonight, as we usually do, by uh, talking about a, a player who's impressed. Um, oh, no, what's happened at your club? Sorry, I've, I don't know the running order. Uh, <laughs> what's happened to your club? Uh, Two-minute roundup in the last week. Yeah, so uh, yesterday we played Chelsea. It was... Uh... It was a up and down game, you know. I was I wasn't expecting much going into it, and considering we've got we're going in off the back of uh, two losses against Watford and Sheffield Wednesday at home, so you know Chelsea, even though they're in bad form, you'd expect them to come to Newcastle and win. But uh, once again, Jose Mourinho comes to St James's Park, and he just could not, he just can't win there. I, d- I don't know what it is. I mean, we are as bad as we've ever been, and he still can't win there. Um, it looks like we finally got the tactics right, though. We uh, moved from more of a uh, from a four two three one to more of a four four one one, which gave us more of a uh, sort of defensive solid- solidity at the back. And we had uh, Perez and Mitrovic up front, and they linked up really well throughout the game. I think Mitrovic showed that he can be a footballer instead of just somebody who just gets who just gets carded all the time. So that was really good. Um, I think both of our goals came from the fact that the Chelsea defence were watching for Mitrovic rather than you know, looking for the other players coming in. And the first goal was just ridiculous defending from Chelsea and Perez scored quite a, got a nice finish. And then the second one was from a set piece. So there were two, two aerial balls, which is quite promising, considering that was something we couldn't do under Pardew or Carver. So progressing in the right, right direction, aerially at least. But it was still disappointing we didn't get the win. I mean, we were 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go. Even against Chelsea, you'd you'd hope that you would be able to hold that off. But I think McLaren showed that maybe he was a bit, he was a bit, um, you know, he didn't make the right subs. I think he brought brought off Mitrovic, which definitely just put us under pressure because he gave us an out ball and we brought on a youngster who we signed from Northampton in the summer, which really wasn't the right thing to do against Chelsea with a one goal. Uh, but you know, apart from that, we've it was a, it was a positive game, but we're still sort of don't know whether this new regime's going to work. It's 
we've got Man City next week and, you know, we're definitely going to be in the bottom three for a while, but it's promising that we got the point. But, yeah, it's, it's a, lo- it's you, a long way. You to upset a lot of fans. I tweeted out when I saw you 2-0 up and, and not long to go, I tweeted out a picture, a famous picture of um, uh, Mourinho holding up his arm um, with McLaren in the background and I said, taxi for Jose, uh, we- um, Newcastle 2, Chelsea nil with a few, you know, smiley faces on it and, and, and you let me down and you let lots of other Premier League teams <laughs> down which which take joy in seeing Chelsea fail. Uh, with all which that is money. all of them. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was promising start and it, it got us all excited, but I suppose uh, not unsurprising that they came back. I'm going to ask you a question, Jake. McLaren, um, he was linked with West Ham before Billich took over and, and there was a sort of, well, almost a revolt by, by West Ham fans saying, we don't want McLaren at uh, West Ham. Is he your cup of tea? Do you think he's a good manager? Will he, will he turn around Newcastle this season? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I was a bit, you know, unsure on him when we got him and I'm still a bit unsure on him now, but he's, I think he's a step in the right direction. I think we could have gone, I think we needed a complete change, really. Somebody who'd come in like completely different from what we had. I think McLaren's a bit of the same, but... I think he's a good coach, which which is obvious in the tactics. But I think the problem with McLaren is he was a losing manager at Derby. He lost a lot of his, I think he lost like only one, two of his last 15 games or something ridiculous like that. And we had a similar run. So I think it's just a losing manager taking over a losing side, which is which is quite obvious when you watch us play. But it's a, it's a mental thing, I think, with Newcastle and McLaren at the moment. Once we get that first win, I think it will, it will be a total change. But I'm still... I mean, we had Pardew last year. He's doing well with Palace, but I'd still, I'm still more positive about McLaren than I was with Pardew at this stage. Yeah, We're going to talk about the money Newcastle spent later and whether money relates to success. Which, <laughs> But, but uh, let's move on to Tan and, and what's going on down at the Arsenal. Uh, well, after a um, controversial loss to Chelsea last weekend, <clears throat> uh, we had a pretty good week, actually. Um, Two-no win over Spurs in the League Cup with Matthew Flamini turning into Zinedine Zidane because, you know, why not? Um, then this weekend we went to uh, the King Power Stadium to take on Inform Leicester, and we had played one of the most entertaining games you're going to see in the Premier League. It was absolutely fantastic. We ended up winning 5-2, but it could have been 8-4. to It was an absolutely incredible game with chances both ends end to end the entire time. Alexis Sanchez popped up with a fantastic hat trick. Uh, and the third one, absolute screamer from 25 yards right in the bottom corner. Fantastic game. Great performance from the most for most of the team. Theo Walcott had probably his most impressive center forward performance in an Arsenal shirt, or in any shirt for that matter. So, after a trying week last week with the loss to Zagreb and Chelsea, uh, much, much better this week. And I'm in pretty good spirits for the Olympiacos game this midweek and United next week. Um, I'm not going to go into uh, how much money or how much money Arsenal didn't spend, because we're going to do that as a topic in a little while. Uh, But Arsene Wenger, there was again, there seems to be a ritual by Arsenal fans every season. When you start off, you get a bad start, you get a bad run and they all start calling for his head. Uh, are you one of those gooners that um, that joins in the ritual uh, Wenger out campaign? I would rather stick my head in a fire than be one of those gooners. So no. 
But what do you understand what they are, or are they just fickle fans? Uh, I don't know if it's I mean, it's fickle, but I don't know if it's completely fickleness as much as you know they are normally wanting a change. They're just kind of bored almost of the same thing happening. So when a win essentially placates them, as opposed to them actually flipping and popping each time, it's more a win. Okay, we have to shut up. A loss. Uh, I think it's more. I, I I just don't know. I don't understand why people call for us at every single time we drop points. But I know it's going to happen, so I kind of just accepted it at this point. Which yeah. is kind of sad, but hey. Yeah. Right, well, let's move on to the Mighty Hammers. I'm going to go for a, a self-indulgent speak about West Ham. Please feel free to un- interrupt me and, and ask questions as I go along. But obviously, as we entered the weekend, I mean, all right, let's get the worst out of the way. We played uh, Leicester City, unbeaten at that time, in the League Cup, away at uh, King's Power Stadium. Uh, and and they, were, they were a good team. And um, they beat us uh, fairly and squarely. You know, we, we've got no excuses. We didn't put the kids out. We put a strong team out. Um, and uh, it could have gone our way. And if we had, you know, um, they scored in injury time, in uh, extra time, late in extra time uh, to win it, uh, they move on to the fourth round. Uh, and, and I thought they're a very organized team and, and befit their league position as well. Um, so... You know, I've got no complaints there. And if we'd gone to penalties, which we were very close to doing and got through on penalties, it would have been probably slightly unfair. But I suppose that's football. Let's talk about West Ham in the league because we're still third in the league. In fact, um, I have to mention it because I haven't been on the podcast for a way. But let's just uh, we beat uh, Arsenal um, at the Emirates for the first time in many, many years. I think we beat them on. We were the first team to beat Arsenal at the Emirates when they first moved there, and it was uh, a record not broken for a long time. So it's the first time in ten or more years that, that we've beat uh, Arsenal at the Emirates. Then, then we beat uh, Liverpool at Anfield the first time in fifty-three years we've done it, and then we went on last week to beat Man City at the Etihad. We'd never done that in the league before at the Etihad. I think we'd done it in the FA Cup. So we, we've got a 100% league record uh, away from home um, and it's a topsy-turvy start for us. But saying that, we haven't been able to do it at home. We lost against um, Leicester City, which I said are a very good team. Bournemouth are doing really well and we're going to talk about that later, the topsy-turvy start to the to league and, and, and they beat us 4-3. We're shipping a lot of goals, but we're scoring a lot of goals. Um, and, and then we, we played Norwich um, at the weekend and again a very very good side you know very organized really good away side and um what can i say we we had two sloppy mistakes you know oh sorry i, for, I forgot to mention our one home win was newcastle <laughs> sorry jake uh 2-0 uh not a lot to talk about i think i think you you didn't turn up very much that day and and you you know where where you wrong went wrong there because our home record's not been that great but let's go back to the Canaries and and uh, Norwich. Um, they're well disciplined, um, but but the difference on Saturday was one Mark Noble, our captain, born and bred in the East End. You know, he was born in Canning Town, just down the road for the bowling ground, um, and he gifted Norwich the first goal. Um, really sloppy. Uh, well, it wasn't even a back pass; it was a side pass, um, and. And he was involved in, in gifting the second goal um, just before full time. But um, 
if it wasn't for um, Sacco, Diafra Sacco, uh, just a tower of strength. Our friend Dimitri Payet, who uh, is doing really good and and has got three goals, three assists. Uh, but my greatest um, praise has got to go for the, the person who doesn't get in the headlines. You know, Payet and and Sacco get all the headlines, but it's actually Coyote that really gets. You know, he got another goal. That's his third goal, um, second assist this season. And you've got to remember, he's a defensive midfielder. So that, that's not bad. Um, you know, I was happy with the point. Who wouldn't be late in injury time? Uh, we remain third. As I said, going into the uh, weekend, if we'd have beat Norwich um, and Man United had lost, um, we would have gone top of the division. How crazy is that? Um, but it didn't. We didn't. We're third. We're happy with third. And I'm still a happy hammer. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm realistic to know it won't last. So, guys, you can say what you want. But um, we've got a strong squad at the moment and everything seems to be working for us. And I, I, I just hope that continues and get looking forward to uh, Sunderland away to keep our uh, away league record intact. Um, hopefully they won't give us too much trouble, but you never know. Beat the big teams, lose against the smaller teams. No, you won't lose to Sunderland. <laughs> They've been awful this year. I, I know they have. I know. But do you know what? You know, every every game we thought we'd win. You know, we thought we'd win uh, against Bournemouth. We thought we'd win against Norwich. No disrespect. We thought we'd win against Leicester. You know, two losses and a draw. Uh, we thought we'd lose against Arsenal, Liverpool and Man City. And we've won those three games. Which brings us on really nice, uh, a great link to the topic which is, has the Premier League become unpredictable? Um, you know, everybody would imagine by now, I know we're only seven games in, but everyone would usually expect now that, you know, Chelsea would be in the top three um, and, um, you know, Man City wouldn't have lost two games on the trot. I mean, they hadn't conceded a goal before West Ham beat them 2-1 and then they've, they've conceded another four goals this weekend. Um, so I'll start with you, Jake. Is the Premier League unpredictable or is this just a, a, a just a, a small phase we're going through before normal uh, services resumed? I, de I definitely think it has become more unpredictable. I mean, West Ham are a great example of that. Three away wins, which, you know, no one would have predicted. Not even like the most outlandish West Ham fan would have thought they would have won those three. And it's, it's you know, a lot of teams are doing it. I mean, even if you look at the bottom of the table, I mean, Sunderland, yeah, they haven't played that well, but they've got a squad packed with international talent. I mean, they've got a lot of good players in that squad and they could easily go to one of the top four teams and win. So, I mean, it's a lot to do with the TV money. You can see like some of the signings made by clubs this summer was just ridiculous. Like, goodbye to Palace. Like, two years ago, you'd never have seen something like that happening. Even like a year ago, you wouldn't have seen that happening. And, and that happened and he's obviously taken them on to another level. Um, Bournemouth... I mean, they went and signed Max Gradle, who was who was really good in league, league One last season uh, in France. So that was uh, another just another display of what what the money's going to do to clubs. And I think over time, it's just going to make the Premier League just like a, a twenty a twenty team division, which you know teams will go down, but then come straight back up. The teams that will come up will go straight back down because the money is just going the gap between the top four and the rest of the clubs will narrow the, and then the gap between the Premier League and the Championship will narrow and it will just, uh, we'll, no, I mean, we'll get wider. So it's just going to be, 
I, I think over time it's going to get boring, but at the moment it's it's quite fun to see, you know, Man City losing to to West Ham and then going to Tottenham and being totally outclassed. I mean, Tottenham is still a good club, but you can see that they're moving closer to the the levels that Manchester City and Chelsea have. And I mean, it's obvious with Chelsea as well. I mean, they've gone to, I think every game this season, they haven't looked comfortable and they've played, you know, they've gone away. They've gone away to, I think it was, um, well, I mean, the first game of the season against Swansea, they, they were, it, you couldn't tell which team were the champions in that game. And it's, it's good. But at the same time, I think in a few years time, it's going to make, it's going to be damaging for the rest of the football league. But at the moment, it's it's great to watch. And yeah, it's just it's it's great to have a league where you know every single team has four or five really really good players, and I mean it's great for it's great for the neutral definitely. Well, let me just ask you to fast forward to Christmas, right? Uh, I, I won't ask you to fast forward to the end of the the season. Christmas isn't that far away, you know. We're not far away from October, so we've just got three months before Christmas. You know, that's seen as a day to look at who's at the bottom, who's at the top as a good indication. Uh, West Ham were fourth uh, last season on Christmas Day. I don't know if you remember that. And we finished uh, 13th or or was it 12th? I can't remember now. It all blurs into insignificance. Um, Who who do you see being the top six by by Christmas, Jake? Um, Yes, I definitely see, you know, you're going to have the two Manchester clubs and Arsenal, I think, would definitely be in there. Chelsea will probably recover to get in there. But I think fifth and fifth and sixth could be could be absolutely anyone. I mean, you'd expect it to be Liverpool and Spurs, but then Christmas isn't that far away. I think Leicester Leicester could could be there. I mean, they they haven't played poorly once this season. Even even yesterday against Arsenal they played quite well. And it was just sort of the class of Arsenal that sort of just came together in that one game. So yeah, I think it will be it's going to start to the league's going to start to become more as you would expect, but I wouldn't be shocked to see maybe Leicester or Swansea in the top six at Christmas. Definitely. Yeah. Who knows? Right. Same question to you, Dan, has the premier league become unpredictable? Uh, absolutely. From week to week, the premier league is totally unpredictable. When, like Jake said, the signings this summer only increased that, Shakiri to Stoke, Paye to uh, West Ham after leading Liga and assists, Gredo to Bournemouth, Ayu to Swansea, all these signings to clubs that would have never been able to make these signings years ago has just increased the uh, unpredictability of the Premier League. It, as much as the cliche is, it really is anyone can beat anyone, and it's very entertaining. It might suck when I go and lose to West Ham at home, but um, it's very entertaining from week to week, and it makes the product all the more fun to watch, at least right now. And I think it'll keep up uh, by the end of the season, and even maybe by Christmas, like you said. I think we'll see more of what we expect, but like Jake said, I'd expect one of um, I'd say Swansea, West Ham, Leicester to be in the top seven at Christmas, and maybe even into like February just because those three teams have been very, very impressive. And Liverpool has not been. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, I have to say it. Uh, Arsenal are currently fourth uh, behind hey. West Ham, who are third on goal difference. Uh, where will Arsenal be by Christmas Day? Um, by Christmas Day, um, I definitely say we're going to be top three. I'd expect that. Where in the top three, I'm not sure. I'll go second, but yeah, I'm not sure. Somewhere in the top three. I think we've played better than we've been better than we've been giving credit for this season. Just because we haven't been finishing our chances, but all teams go on poor runs of finishing. We'll eventually go on a good run of finishing similar to the way West Ham have been going right now or the way we went on the second half of last season start picking up points even more so than we are now so top three yeah well I'm, I'm going to be um, slightly uh, have a give a different opinion to both of you guys I think the Premier League will be predictable again uh, quite soon um, because I still think that the, the depth of the squads will 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 shine through in the end. You know, we always see this. We always see a team like Leicester or Bournemouth do really well in the first sort of 10 games. And as the season goes on and, you know, there's two things in my view. First of all, teams actually work out what their tactic is <laughs> and, and counteract it because they've seen them enough and say, well, I'll just stop them doing that. And the other thing is they just, the injuries come in and they just haven't got the depth uh, of the squad anymore you know as you say you know West Ham you know we've we've, we've gone and got some really good players and so have Swansea so have Bournemouth but as we've just seen with Bournemouth you know they've just lost Wilson um, and that's going to be a real big dent on them in, in the smaller teams and I include West Ham in them you lose one big player and your season can turn around uh, look at West Ham you know we got really carried away under Sam Allardyce we, we were briefly third um, last year um, in December for one day and then went fourth on Christmas Day and Boxing Day we were uh, well until later on in Boxing Day we were we were in fourth place and then slowly we had a bad second half of the season Alex Song had a bad half again Alex Song was a key player for us last season uh, he had a bad second half probably as we know now had a, a bit of a knee injury and we slid down the table one by one in, until we finished and again, I can't remember, 12th or 13th in, in mid-table obscurity. I still do think that normal order is restored. And while the, you know, it makes the Premier League exciting, don't get me wrong, all these crazy results, you know, Man City losing two games on the bounce, 
uh, to, to West Ham and Spurs and, and Chelsea losing so many games. It makes the Premier League exciting because, you know, I, I used to like Formula One in the, in the days of uh, Schumacher. Um, but <laughs> in the end, it got very predictable just watching Schumacher go round and around 30 seconds ahead of everybody. In the end, I stopped watching. Um, and I, I think there is, you know... It, it can get to that stage where you just go, well, it's going to be the same old teams every year. But there is a correlation, and this will bring us on to our second topic, to money. And I still believe the amount you pay in wages, the amount you spend, and your amount of turnover roughly does uh, correlate to your league position. So if you look at the turnover, uh, you know, the, the big boys, Man City... Uh, Man United, well, Man United uh, are, are the ones at the top at the moment and they've got the biggest turnover. Then you've got, uh, obviously, Chelsea, Man City um, and, and Arsenal with the next biggest turnover, followed by, by Liverpool and Spurs. And you'd usually expect them, with their turnover, to be the top six because they've got the spending power on wages. But my topic is not on turnover and it's it's about spending on the transfer window. Um it's a shame Kev's not here tonight um, because obviously the big uh, spending spree of, of two seasons ago where Spurs spent over £100 million and it didn't work uh, has proved that actually spending your way out of trouble is not always the case. Um, and I'd like to start with you, um, Jake, on Newcastle. Um, Newcastle have spent... Well, from what I've heard, around forty-five million pounds, somewhere around the forties, uh, to become the third or fourth uh, biggest spenders in the transfer window. Uh, so, my first question is: Where did it all go wrong? Well, I think with us, I mean, we spent a lot of money, but it was more making up for what we hadn't done in seasons previous. So, I mean, we haven't really spent money at all. I mean, I, th I think before the summer, Mike actually had like a, a positive transfer sort of spend where he made more than he'd spent, which is, you know, sort of shows that the squad had just been in decline for a long time. And this summer we've brought in five players. I mean, I think we did good business and I think that's going to gonna show as, you know, as the season progresses, I think Wijnaldum, you know, he's, he should be a Champions League player. He is just incredible. And I think Mitrovic is also going to come good. Um and Bemba, he, he's looked good in, at centre back for from the opening games. Even though we have looked, you know, quite shaky at the back, he's been a highlight. And you know, to Tovan as well from Marseille, he's a questionable signing, which I think sort of shows the sort of the trouble Graham Carr has had recently. Because he was, you know, when he when we brought in Kabai and Ben Arthur and those type of players, he was being you know, he's being hailed as sort of like the best scout ever and everything. And I think recently he hasn't brought in the players. And I think, I think Tovan is his big signing this summer and he hasn't looked good at all, really. So, I mean, the jury's out on him. But I think, I think overall our business was good. We didn't strengthen enough. I don't think, I think we spent too much money on too few a player. Maybe we were to spread out the money a bit better, brought in another centre back, uh, and just provided a bit more depth because we've already, you know, we've we played two players who haven't played in the Premier League yesterday, which sort of shows the that's how small our squad is. But yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it looks bad that we spent, you know, forty-five to fifty million on new players, and we are nineteenth in the table currently without a win. But 
it's more to do with catching up and I think we'll spend again in January and if we stay up which you know I hope we do it's good we're going to continue to spend that sort of sort of money each summer now and that should really just put us up into the top half of the table over time it's it's a big project at Newcastle I think Steve McLaren knew that when he came in and it's the players we signed so far are a good start but the rest of the players in the team are just not good enough and they have that quality sort of and we just it's a lot more work to do, be done in the summer and you know I've I would have loved it if we would have brought in a couple of English players. But I think that's something we've been lacking, sort of that mentality, you know, players who know the league and won't give up and sort of give their all. Like Charlie Austin, for example, I think we should have signed him. I don't know why we didn't. Even when we signed Mitrovic, I thought we needed another striker and we should have brought him in. And we didn't, you know. So I think over time you're going to... I mean, you talked about wages and, you know, spending and turnover. I think Newcastle are in the top... I think they spend the seventh most on wages in the league. I mean, that was definitely the case last yeah. season. I imagine it's probably similar, could even be up, uh, may have even gone up a place because, I mean, we've brought in some players and they would all be on big wages. So, I mean, we should be, I mean, Sem probably not, but we should be, shouldn't be fighting relegation every season. And hopefully is, over is, time. Is it the, the figure of 45 million? Is that one you recognise? Have I got that right? I, th- I think it's more over 50 million, I, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. You spent I, 50 million on transfer fees this summer yeah i think i think we did wow yeah so my question mike ashley when he forked out 50 million quid he can't have expected you be in a relegation dogfight he must have thought if i'm going to shell out 50 million quid i want to be challenging for european places I, I i can't believe a chairman would be thinking if i've spent 50 million quid uh it's just to 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 guarantee Premier League status yeah well I'm sure he's not happy about it but at the same time he doesn't really talk that often I mean he did that interview before the West Ham <laughs> game on the last day of the season but he just doesn't talk so he just don't know what he's thinking he doesn't he says he doesn't so, get involved in the football he says that he leaves that to his football board and he doesn't even pick the manager no well I think that's true I think Lee Charnley is the uh, chief exec at Newcastle and I think he he's the one who's got the big I think his job's up for threat rather than Steve McLaren's at the moment. I think, yeah, I think he's the one in control of the money. And obviously, this summer, although it looks good on paper, I don't think it was what we needed. Well, that let's move on to Dan. Uh, the opposite, Dan. You didn't spend you you. It's rumored that Wenger had over, and I say rumored, up to two hundred million pound available for him to spend. And he spent 5% of that. He spent £10 million on cheque and didn't get any more. Was he right? Um, I'd say he was not totally right. But the fact that... Well, oh, this is my feeling with transfer window. I'd say we got we did like a C-minus if you're grading it. Because we got a hit in our goalkeeper. Our biggest weakness, improved, world-class goalkeeper. Great. Um, striker. Everyone brings that up. Yeah, everyone wants a world-class striker. If there were no world-class strikers available in the market, let's say what you want about Benzema, he was never coming to Arsenal. Even if we did bid $70 million, doesn't matter what we did. Real Madrid weren't letting him go. He didn't want to leave. That wasn't happening. Um, there weren't any other surefire world-class strikers available, so I'm okay with him not spending that money and just seeing what there is till later. I'd... As much as many Arsenal fans are not okay with that, I'm more if it, you're either going to get a world-class striker or just 
save the money until another window because you already got two good strikes or two or three if you include Welbeck if he's not dead. You've already got two or three good strikers on your books, so don't get someone who's similar when you've already got so many. Um, and then I think we missed a trick on defensive midfielder. We absolutely should have brought in another defensive midfielder. That was where I really was upset with not spending money. Um, I'm not sure if that was as much thriftiness as much as Finger didn't couldn't identify a player he wanted. I don't know what it was, but I, we should have got a defensive midfielder. And yeah, so and as far as money spent. Money spent from window to window, I don't think it's the best indication of where someone will finish. I think it's more just overall wage bill. That, I think, is the best um, determiner of where you're going to finish in the league, and I think there's research to back that up. But I think spent from window to window isn't that great a um, determiner for where you're going to finish. I, don't, I must admit, I don't get Wenger. It's like, it is, <laughs> it's, like it's its own money, and he's thrifty with it. You know, most managers would spend and go, right, you've got this much to spend. They would spend every penny and more. Certainly they do at West Ham. Uh, but Wenger, I don't know if he's on some kind of bonus of not spending money, but he's always been a bit cautious on spending money. Is is that because he 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 just wants to get world-class players and he won't settle for anything less? Or is there something else to it that we just don't see about Wenger? Uh, I think for a while, I mean, as everyone knows, we had we were tight on money with the stadium thing. So I think for a while he was in that mode of, I, I have to get value. I can't just spend to spend. I need value here because I don't have that much money to spend with the whole paying off the stadium. Now I'm not sure if it's he's still in that mode or if it's more, I'm only going to spend that much money if I can find a world-class player like a Mesodosil or like a uh, Alexis Sanchez. But, and... He does, he does seem to almost spend it like it is his own money. I don't know if that's because he just, like, Arsenal is his baby and he just cares about it too much. I guess that's a, that's a nice way of putting it. That's a nice spin to put on it, if that is it. I don't know what it is, but he does, he does his thing. It's worked out pretty well for, for us, so I'll, I'll trust him. Yeah, I mean, you're fourth in the league, so, you know... Although a lot of people said, well, where are the goals going to come from? I mean, Giroud uh, obviously has scored some goals. Um, so who knows? We'll we, we see whether he was right at the end of the season. I think managers are wary to spend money in, in January because obviously all the prices are inflated and it's usually the desperate clubs that spend money in January. The good spending is, is, is done in the summer, really. And, and talking of that, uh, Man City, you know, uh, they spent... Um, I was looking it up. They were the biggest spenders. They spent uh, £154 million this summer, by far the biggest spenders. They got £52 million in return. Um, uh, So 102 net uh, spend this summer. Uh, When they played West Ham, uh, you know, the other week, um, it was the most expensive Premier League team ever. I think it was something like three hundred and fifty million pounds worth of players on the pitch, and they still lost two one. Uh, I just thought I'd get that in there uh, again. But <laughs> we, we just mentioned West Ham. West Ham actually did spend quite big. Um, we obviously bought in Slaven Bilic. He's got different ideas to Sam Allardyce. Uh, we were getting more creative and flair players. The big win for us was uh, Dimitri Payet, uh, 10.7 million, which sounds a steal 
<clears throat> you got to remember he is 28. So if he'd been a lot younger, I'm sure he'd been a 30, 40 million pound player. Um, but, you know, we, we've got Obona in. Uh, we've obviously got Victor Moses in on loan. That was a two and a half million pound loan fee. Um, he's going to cost us up to £175,000 in wages per, per game. So it, it's not cheap. Uh, all in all, when you add it all up, it was £37 million net increase. Uh, our only outgoing really was uh, Downing, who, who wanted to go back to uh, Middlesbrough. Um, but but that does, it raises a serious question because it's our last season in in the bowling ground before we move to Olympic Stadium. Um, and our chairman's already said it leaves us £17 million in the red uh, this season. Um, it seems to be, and I'd like to get your both your views on this, that with the big money coming, I mean, from the big TV money comes next season, you're going to get £99 million for coming last next season. And I forget, £150 you know, million uh, for coming top. Um are we getting to a stage where it, it means everything? They're, they're, they're prepared to break the bank. And it, and it also seems to me, I'm going to add another question in there, it seems to be that financial fair play means absolutely nothing. We, we've seen with QPR, they just ignored their £60 million fine in the championship. Uh, I think Man City have been in trouble. Uh, does it mean anything? It just seems to be money, money, money. The, the, the prices have got so big nowadays you just can't afford to drop let's start with you jake on um you know both those things you know you you your guys i'm sure even mike ashley hasn't got bottomless pits when it comes to money um i'm assuming it would be absolutely disastrous if if newcastle went down this season yeah definitely would be i mean it's I think money is just getting too much and it's just making the Premier League too much of a priority for everyone. Um, I mean, when you think about going down now, it literally is could could be the end of your club in, in many ways. So it's just a huge concern. And on financial and financial fair play, obviously, you, you know, you, you referenced it and it has done nothing to stop that. I think at the time people were saying it would do nothing. It, it's done exactly that. It's done nothing. QPR are the, the best example of that. They've, I mean, they're trying to change their ways, but they're not doing it as much as they should be. Um, and you know, they they could come straight back up. And if they if QPR keep you know coming to the Premier League, then that just shows that money and these financial fair play rules mean absolutely nothing because they should be nowhere near the Premier League or the way they're run. Um, yeah, you know, for Newcastle, if we did go down, I think we would, not, you know. It, it's difficult to know what would happen because it's completely different that, you know, when we went down last time, I mean, the money wasn't as much in the Premier League then and you could sort of keep your players and, you know, manage to get well, around you can't, the you, well, Of course, if you follow financial fair play and don't do a QPR, it's harder to buy your way out again. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, if you if you did follow financial play, fair play and you went down, you would, you know, have a, a squad that was literally, you know, you wouldn't be coming back up with it. But, you know, it's... Yeah, I didn't know what had happened to Newcastle. I think, you know, I don't have a clue. It's one of the things. I mean, Hull went down. I mean, Hull, you know, they've just gone down. Obviously, that's before the money. They've sort of managed to keep a lot of their players as well. So, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's one of the things that I think is going to develop in the next couple of years. Now now the money's going up. This fi the financial fair play is really just going to become more important. And whether 
it gets changed. I think it should get changed because it well it does it run it runs out uh, this season and who knows what will replace it if anything because I I don't think it's been a success. Let's ask you Dan because Arsenal's seen as one of the probably the best run clubs you know certainly money wise. Uh, if I'm right, I haven't seen the um, the latest figures, but you're one of the few clubs to make an actual profit, aren't you? Um, I don't keep the finances too much, but yeah, I'm pretty sure we made a profit this year. And well, as far as you guys, I think you guys are... You're not the only ones who are going to do it, but I think you are a special case considering you're moving into the Olympic Stadium next year, and like you cannot go down. You just can't afford to go down moving into that. So I think you are slightly a bit of a special case but uh, I do think that financial fair play has failed and that the money is really I mean obviously it's a lot that's not saying much but it's it's a game changer it's gonna keep a lot of clubs up and it could be the end of some clubs uh, yeah I'm yeah I'm, I'm just gonna say one piece to close this item off and that is I think uh, financial fair play has been a farce. I think it's kept the top clubs at the top and kept anyone out that special club. You know, I think uh, the big clubs have found ways around it, including Man City, of getting extra sponsorship and, and, you know, putting it through other means. And it sort of said, we're in, we've got a special club in the top four and we don't want anyone to play in it. And, you know, they've, they've kept champions, you know, league places, etc. And, you know... Obviously, Man City bought their way into that club with billions and billions. But if another billionaire comes along, if financial fair fair play is going to be enforced, then it's sort of saying, well, you can't buy your way because your wages only go up by this amount. Um, and it makes it a lot more difficult. But w- we shall see next season what happens to financial fair play. I think nothing. And it will just be a, a free for all and a, uh, a frenzy. Uh, and, and the money from the TV only goes one places. And that's usually to the players in wages. The more money that comes in, everyone goes, well, you've got these hundreds of millions now. But you know what? The players' wages and the agents' fees go up and up and up. And the more demand there are, um, you know, when we spoke to our chairman, it goes on players' wages. The majority still goes on players' wages. Anyway, let's get back to football. Uh, and we'll start with you, Jake. Um, it's our player watch um, to name a player at your club who's impressed and one who's disappointed you in your most recent fixture. Yeah, it's going to be easier this week to pick players who've impressed, which is which is good. <laughs> I mean, it means we're playing well. I, I think there's three players that really stood out. Um, Perez and Mitrovic are both really good up front. Uh, up front. The uh, movement, the link up and they just showed that they should be playing together every week. But the player I'm going to pick as the stand-up player is Kevin and Babu, who was making his debut for the club at 20, well, his league debut. And he's a player that I'd seen a lot in the under-21s, and he was somebody that, you know, I didn't think would go on and play first-team football for Newcastle. I thought he went to Rangers last year on loan and didn't get any game time, which, you know, when I saw his name on the team sheet, I was a bit concerned, but he, he played really well. You know, he looked confident. He didn't look out of place. He made some really good tackles on both Pedro and Hazard. And, you know, it's really good to see a young player come in and perform like that instead of, you know, coming in and just looking out of their depth. And it's it's doubly impressive because nobody expected him to get anywhere near the first team this season. So 
I mean, it's a good decision by Steve McLaren to play him there instead of playing somebody out of position like a Jack Colback or a Anita, which he could easily have done at left back. But he put the faith in him and he, he repaid it. And hopefully now that'll be the start of, you know, somebody who can contribute to the squad on a more consistent basis. Obviously, it's only been one game and it's difficult to see where he's going to go, but it's promising to see a player come in and do that. Uh, disappointed me, it'd probably be Sissoko once again. He gave away the free kick for the for the final goal, which was a bit of a needless free kick to give away because Chelsea weren't creating chances. So, you know, it, it was needless. And, you know, if he hadn't have done that, we could have got the win, which would have been incredible. But, and it, Going forward, once again, he just looks, you know, his final ball wasn't there. His decision-making was poor. And I just wish that we'd have sold him this summer or possibly even in January because he's just week in, week out. He just he's, he stayed because he's guaranteed a place in the team and he has no motivation to play well, even against the bigger clubs. I mean, you used to be able to rely on him in games against a Chelsea or a Manchester United because the TV cameras were there, but now he just doesn't seem to care. And, you know, the sooner... If he he should get dropped next week, and he probably won't, because he's you know seen as one of the best players on the team, but he's just been a huge disappointment. He definitely isn't good enough for a Champions League club, despite what he says himself. Um, for a player who had impressed, I'd have to go. Well, I'd, I'm going to go Theo Walcott, despite Felix Sanchez's hat trick. Um, he was very very good and did a lot of things at that strike position that a lot of Arsenal fans did not think he could do. He held the ball up surprisingly well. He outmuscled. Robert Hoof two or three times, which, well, it maybe not outmuscled him, but held him off, which I didn't think was physically possible. Um, uh, he got a good goal. He just terrorized that back line. To be fair, I'm not sure if there's ever been a game of football that has suited Theo Walcott more, considering how open Leicester played and considering their center backs were Robert Hoof and Wes Morgan. But he was really, really impressive, and he needs to be with his. He seems to have that center forward roll down with Giroud in poor form and that red card didn't help him either with his uh how in favor he was for manager but Theo Walcott was very very impressive and I'm very very happy about that um for disappointed I'm not sure anyone truly disappointed in that game but probably the least impressive performer was Aaron Ramsey which I'm not even sure is entirely his fault he's been playing out of position on the right which he has expressed he's not particularly happy with but it's he has to play there. He's not in the team. Um, he's been putting in a shift, but not doing a whole lot else. His final product hasn't been great. He's obviously wants to play in the middle. He, he'll wander centrally a lot. Um, I feel bad for him. I really do, because he's clearly not happy on the right, but it's either that or nothing. So, yeah. Great. Uh, and just to finish off this segment, um, obviously at West Ham, I did speak about uh, Payet and uh, Sacco, who just works his socks off earlier, and Coyote. So I'm not going to mention those three because I've always men- already mentioned them earlier in the pod. Uh, I'm going to go for Adrian. Um, you know, he got his red card. He served his ban. And, uh, you know, he's, he's an outstanding world-class uh, keeper, in my view. And, and yet again on Saturday, he kept us in it with some amazing saves. And I think keepers don't get enough, you know, player of the week award or um, applaud it. So I'm going to go for Adrian. Uh, you know, Darren Randolph was a good understudy when he came in. Uh, the chap who came in from Birmingham after Jussi Jeskalainen retired um, from, from football at West Ham. Um, but Adrian, for me, he's so passionate and he's such got a good 
uh, rapport with the fans as well, which really makes a difference uh, to us as well. But 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 you know he's he's outstanding, great shot stopper. Um, our only problem is he wants to come out too much and score goals, and I'm sure you remember him scoring that um, penalty against Everton where he took his gloves off and scored the winning penalty. But I digress. Um, as I've said already earlier, I sort of touched on, um, but but the captain uh, East End born. Mark Noble was the one to disappoint. And, and I think he's got to be really careful because, you know, you can't be too sloppy. I think we said earlier, there are no easy games in the Premier League anymore. Um, and again, it's a cliche. It's a game of inches. You know, an inch here or there can make a massive difference in these games and can make the difference of a game. Um, and, and you have to be 100% all the time. You know, it was a sloppy pass. Um, West Ham has the most... Uh, I, I read a stat has the most forced errors four, um, you know, errors have led to goals, which is the most in the Premier League. Uh, two of them were from Aaron Cresswell, who also had a pretty poor game on Saturday. I think it's got to him, you know, it was a great buy from Ipswich and he got hammer of the year for us last season. But he's finding it a bit tough. And, and so is um, Cole Jenkinson, I must say, by the way, Dan, from uh, Arsenal is not not the kind of player you gave him a new deal gave him a wage rise he's come back to us not the same player um so that's a bit disappointing but i'm, I'm gonna go for mark noble i think he's got to be really careful because in october we've got alex song in there and our captain could lose his place to alex song very easily and find himself uh sitting on the bench very soon so he he's the one that uh may be disappointed and i hope hope as captain he leads from the front and, and picks up his game and we don't see another mistake from him. So I think that's all time, all the time we have this evening. Uh, thanks to my two guests, uh, Jake and Dan. Um, this is a time where they can do a shameless plug and tell them what projects and uh, what they're working on. So let's start with you, Jake. Where can we find you? What are you up to? Yeah, you can get my, uh, my stuff on EPL Index or uh, Total Dutch Football, which is a, a site focused on uh, Dutch football, as the name suggests. And they've done a, a couple of magazines this season, which are online and free to download, which are definitely worth uh, checking out. They're a really good read. And if you want to get more into like the Eredivisie and Dutch football, that's, a, that's definitely the place to go. And for anything else, you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. Dan? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm still Dan. And... And you can still get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. And um, me and my friends have started a podcast called Sons of Arshavin, which you can find on SoundCloud under Sons of Arshavin or on Twitter at Sons of Arshavin. And we talk about Arsenal and are occasionally funny. So if you want to check that out, I would very much appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, and I'm your host. I haven't been Kevin DeVries. I can't even say his word. <laughs> and I'm sure he'll be next, back next week or back on Thursday. Uh, I'm Sean Whetstone. I'm still a happy hammer. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at West Ham Football. Uh, I write for two West Ham uh, blogs called westhamtillidie.com and clarentonhugh.info. Uh, and tomorrow night on, on Monday, I'll be recording my own podcast, which is called more than just a podcast.co.uk. Uh, more with two O's as in Bobby Moore and we will be talking about the Happy Hammers but that's it from us all tonight thanks Dan thanks Jake and uh, good night good morning or good afternoon depending what it is when you're listening to this podcast cheers guys bye even on a budget quality is non-negotiable 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.